We are continuing our sermon series. We're looking at the I Am's of Jesus, um, and and we're going to be in John chapter 10 uh, this morning. So if you have your Bibles, you can go ahead and turn to John chapter 10. We're going to continue looking um, at at this section. And and last week, uh, we talked about um, the door, that Jesus says, I am the door, I am the gate. And he was talking about um, the sheep and the shepherd and how uh, the shepherd protects them and, and he is that door and and they they stay inside of the cave and they have to pass through him through the door in order to get out Um, and um, I talked a little bit last week about who sheep are and what they are and and when we talk about sheep um, God is constantly comparing us to the sheep and some of us get a little bit insulted when we think about that because um, as I have stated um, I, I grew up raising sheep and sheep are just a little bit on the dumb side Um, and some of the other things that we see about sheep um, other than baby lambs sheep really aren't that cute Um, and again thanks God you've compared us to sheep that aren't that cute Um, they're not also great hunters if you don't feed them they're not going to just go find their own food okay they'll just eat the grass all the way to the root and then they have nothing else so they need that shepherd that's going to lead them to those greener pastures also i I know that all of our sports are canceled right now um but uh you know i i was thinking about this there's not too many mascots out there that are known as the sheep i mean could you imagine the virginia sheep That's probably not going to fly too well, okay? Now, we do have the rams, um, but the rams are a little bit different. And and if you've ever been hit by a ram, it hurts. Um, But at the same time, there's not too many mascots out there that are known as the fighting sheep. No, okay? It's not one of those things that are out there. It doesn't sound very intimidating. And I know some of you are like, well, neither do the Buckeyes, but hey... Don't you eat a buckeye, it will kill you. That's all I'm going to say. But sheep are known as being very passive. And and when we think about all of these things, um, we need a shepherd to lead the sheep. We as human beings, as disciples of Jesus, we need a shepherd that will lead us. You know, there's all kinds of people uh, and things out there that are willing to lead us if we will allow them to. And they will lead us down certain paths that aren't that great. And with all of this going on, um, with the media exposure and and the the fear-mongering that is happening with so many people today because of this virus. And and listen, obviously we're taking it serious because we're not meeting in person. We're keeping that social distancing here in our church. And and we want to be protective of our people, but there's so much fear that's out there. Teresa and I We had to go get dog food yesterday, and as we drove, we went by the neighborhood Walmart. The whole place was completely packed. We went by the Weiss, completely packed. We went by the Giant, the Home Depot, the Lowe's, the big Walmart, Target. Every building was completely packed, and shelves are completely empty because people are worried and fearful of what could happen happen but as i talked to you about last week let's make sure that while we're being conscious of everything that's happening while we're being careful 
and taking the steps to make sure that we're not the ones that are spreading this virus, let's also remember that we have been called to have the fear of the Lord. We have been called to have the fear of the Lord, not fear of man. And so that's very, very important. And there's so many things out there, there's so many people out there that will lead us down paths that we shouldn't head down. Last week, again, we were in John chapter uh, 10, and, and we talked about the first of two of the I am statements that are in John chapter 10. And last week, we looked at verses uh, 1 through 10, <clears throat> where Jesus is talking about he is the only door of the sheep. And this morning, we're going to talk about the fact that he is the good shepherd. Let's go back again to John chapter 10, how we ended last week. John chapter 10, verse 10. Jesus says, the thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I came that they may have life and have it abundantly. I find it interesting that right after this statement, right after Jesus says that I came that they may have life and have it abundantly, he starts verse 11 by saying that I am the good shepherd. And I want us to look at why Jesus can call himself the good shepherd. You see, the word for good is a word that refers to one with a noble character. You see, Jesus is saying that you can trust his character. He doesn't have ulterior motives. There's no hidden agendas. He says, I have come that I may lead you and lead you to have life, everlasting life, as we continue to look at this section. The end of verse 10 explains what he wants, what he wants for you, and what he wants for me, if we're willing to follow him, that we will get it. So let's examine why Jesus says and is able to call himself the good shepherd. The very first thing that we see here is that he declares as the good shepherd that he is willing to die for his sheep. Let's look at this whole section, starting in, in verse 11. Jesus says... <clears throat> I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. He who is a hired hand and not a shepherd, who does not own the sheep, sees the wolf coming and leaves the sheep and flees. And the wolf snatches them and scatters them. He flees because he is a hired hand and cares nothing for the sheep. I am the good shepherd. I know my own and my own know me. Just as the Father knows me, and I know the Father, and I lay down my life for the sheep, and I, <clears throat> and I have other sheep that are not of this fold, I must bring them also, and they will listen to my voice. So there will be one flock and one shepherd. For this reason, the Father loves me because I lay down my life that I may take it up again. No one takes it from me. But I lay it down of my own accord. I have authority to lay it down. I have authority to take it up again. This charge I have received from my Father. Now when we look at this and we break this section down, the fact is obvious of obviously uh, is, let me start that one again. The fact is obviously of crucial importance that he is the good shepherd and he repeats it four different times in verse 11 and verse 15 and verse 17 and verse 18 
You see, he is willing to lay down his life because he is the good shepherd. But it is also important because of the contrast that is drawn with the hiringly that runs away when danger threatens. Look at verses 12 through 13 again. He who is a hired hand and not a shepherd, who does not own the sheep, sees the wolf coming and leaves the sheep and flees. And the wolf snatches them and scatters them. He flees because he is a hired hand and cares nothing for the sheep. You see, Jesus contrasts the true shepherd who will risk his life for his sheep with that person who is hired who is just going to run away. They see the the wolf coming to attack. They see something that is going to come and to destroy them and could actually not just hurt the sheep, but hurt them as well. And they run. And because of that, the sheep will be scattered. In verse 12, we get a picture of what a hired hand will do. And I think Jesus was using this hired hand because he wanted to make reference, excuse me, to that of the religious leaders. They really didn't care much for their flock. They had no investment in their flock. There was no time in to this flock. They were just there that they could get something out of the sheep. You see, the hired hand sees the wolf coming and leaves the sheep. He flees. And the wolf snatches them and scatters them. You know, there's three things that really stand out about the death of Jesus when we break all of this down. The first thing that we truly see is that Jesus' death was voluntary. Jesus' death was voluntary. Jesus' death was neither an accident nor a tragedy. Jesus says in verse 18, no one takes it from me, but I lay it down of my own accord. I have authority to lay it down, and I have authority to take it up again. This charge I have received from my Father. You see, he says that he lays down his life of his own accord, which makes it very clear that his life is simply not taken from him by his opponents. The religious leaders when Jesus was, was brought in, went through his three trials, they thought they had the upper hand. When they saw Jesus being scourged and beaten, they thought they had the upper hand. Satan himself thought he had the upper hand. When Jesus took that cross and went to Calvary and was nailed on the cross, the Pharisees, those religious leaders, finally they felt they had the upper hand and they had control again. Satan, the moment that Jesus took his final breath, truly believed that he had the upper hand. But Jesus was saying all along that he was willing to give it up. Voluntarily, he died for you. He gave his life for you. Warren Wiersbe says this. He says, he did not die as a martyr killed by men. He died as a substitute, willingly laying down his life for us. He chose to lay his life down for his sheep. He offered his life as a sacrifice. The sheep were in mortal danger, not from beasts such as wolves or lions, 
but from sin. Jesus' death was, was voluntarily. But secondly, Jesus' death was vicarious. Jesus dies, according to verse 11, for the sheep. This is Jesus, that is Jesus did not die for his own sins. And we need to always remember that. Jesus was and is sinless. He died in our place as our substitute. He took on our sins. The Apostle Paul says in Romans chapter 5 verses 6 through 8, For while we were still weak, at the right time Christ died for the ungodly. For one will willingly... For, for one will sacrifice, sacrificially die for a righteous person, though perhaps for a good person. Thank you, sir. Let me start that all over again. For while we were still weak at the right time, Christ died for the ungodly. For one will s- s- oh, scarcely die for a righteous person, though perhaps for a good person one would dare even to die. But God shows his love for us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. I promise I don't have corona. I'm just saying. Everything decided that it wanted to bloom at once. Christ died only for our sins. In a great sense, he died in our place. And that brings me to the last of these three points that really stand out. Jesus' death was victorious. Jesus further makes the statement that he has the authority to lay down his life and the authority to take it back again. He says, I lay down my life and I take it back up again. Look at verse 18. It says, no one takes it from me, but I lay it down of my own accord. I have authority to lay it down and I have the authority to take it back up again. This charge i've received from my father you see jesus is fully committed to us because he bought us with a price he paid for us first corinthians chapter 7 verse 23 says you were bought with a price not do not become slaves of men jesus owns the sheep so naturally he will be committed to them When you accept Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, when you are baptized into him, you belong to him. You know, when you really stop and think about that, we can understand where Jesus is coming from when he says that, you know, he owns us and we belong to him. And that's why he is victorious. That's why he is willing to do what he did for us. Have you ever owned something and someone does something to it? You have a brand new truck and you allow someone to borrow it. You really don't want to let them borrow it, right? Because you don't want that scratch on it. You you don't want anything to happen to it. But but if you rent a vehicle, on the other hand, it's a little bit different, right? I Never buy a rental vehicle. Enterprise sells them. Never buy one. Because the moment that someone gets a rental, what do they do? They stomp on that gas. They want to go find an open parking lot and do donuts in it. Why? Because they can't do it in their Kia Rio. They can't do it in their little Toyota Corolla. They don't want to hurt the engine because they have to take care of it. But then they go and they're on vacation. And when they travel, they get into that rental. And all of a sudden, man, they just break loose in it. Why? Because they don't own it. 
they paid for the insurance, so it's okay if something happens to it. They can blow the engine up because they paid the extra $23 a day, and it doesn't matter to them. But you take them home, and you put them inside of their own vehicle. You go home, and you get in your own vehicle, and immediately, don't, don't go over the speed limit. Watch that branch over there. You don't want to hit it because you don't want to scratch it. Everything changes the moment that it becomes our own. We need to understand that those who will try to be a shepherd to us, other than Jesus, will lead us astray. We must make sure that Jesus is always our true shepherd, our noble shepherd. I would contend that the stuff that we get addicted to, the stuff that pulls us away from Jesus, cares not one bit about you. Your vehicle doesn't care for you. Your house doesn't care for you. Your job doesn't care for you. Jesus is the one that cares for us. And we need to make sure that we always remember that. 1 Timothy chapter 2, verses 3-4 through 4 says, This is good, and it is pleasing in the sight of God our Savior, who desires all people to be saved and to come to the knowledge of the truth. We all have a shepherd. The question is, who is your shepherd? There will be many who try to be your shepherd. But in Acts chapter 20, verses 29-30, through 30, we read, I know that after my departure, fierce wolves will come in among you, not sparing the flock. And from among your own selves will arise men speaking twisted things to draw away the disciples after them. Paul had to continue his missionary journeys. He had to go from one church and he established a church and he had to travel to another place. And he wanted so badly to stay, but he knew that he had to leave. But he knew that the moment that he would leave, people would come in, wolves who were dressed in sheep's clothing that would try to be a shepherd, that would try to take care of them, would lead them astray. And he says, I pray that you do not allow that to happen, but I know that men will come in and try to lead you astray. Do you have the faith and courage to allow Jesus to be your shepherd, to follow him and follow him alone? You see, not only is the good shepherd, not only is Jesus willing to die for his sheep, but secondly, Jesus has a special connection with his sheep, and we need to hold on to that. Look at verses 14 through 16. He says, I am the good shepherd. I know my own and my own know me. Just as the father knows me and I know the father and I lay down my life for the sheep and I have other sheep that are not of this fold, I must bring them also and they will listen to my voice so there will be one flock, one shepherd. So as we look through this, we have to understand that Jesus loves his sheep. And you may be saying, Travis, I'm, I'm, I'm trying to follow along with you, but nowhere in this scripture, nowhere do we see that, that word love. It's not written here. Well, we don't see it, but it's still the words that Jesus is using is telling us of his love. He uses this word. He says, I know my own. Now, this word for, for know in, in the Greek means to know experientially. 
You know, we can read in books all kinds of things. And we can read in books about traveling to other countries. And we can read in books what it would be like to be in the Amazon and to see the life there and to see the missionary uh, experience there. And we can read all about it. But until we actually experience it, it changes everything. And that's what we have to understand here. The word no very often in the Bible is used in terms of a love relationship. In the Old Testament, we read in Genesis chapter 4, verse 17, Cain knew his wife and she bore a child. Now this word for no, it doesn't mean that, well, Cain knew his wife by name and because he knew his wife by name, she became pregnant. It doesn't work that way, okay? So you extrapolate what I'm trying to say and you'll understand that. But this is implying the most intimate of relationships. So when Jesus says he knows his sheep, he is saying that our relationship with God, it's not just the, theological. It's not just reading our Bible and trying to study everything about it. It's personal. He personally loves Travis. He personally loves each one of you. He knows you by name. That's a wonderful truth. The Lord has millions of sheep. But he knows us intimately. According to John chapter 10 verse 3, it says that he knows his sheep by name. Now, the U.S. government... Um, and I don't think with all of this stuff that's going on is going to suspend what we owe to the IRS by April the 15th. So make sure you still get that done. They don't know you by name, but you know what they do know you by? They know you by a number. But Jesus, our Savior, our Shepherd, He knows us by name. And He knows us intimately. He knows everything about us. He, only, he doesn't only know our name. He knows our nature. He knows our trials. He knows the temptations that we face on a daily basis. He knows our strengths. He knows our weaknesses. He knows everything about us. Even that deep down dark secret that you don't think anyone else has a clue about. You think that you're hiding it extremely well. What you need to know is that Jesus knows. And he still loves you. And he still went to the cross for you. And you must never forget that. There is not a sorrow that you have today that he's not aware of. In the New Testament times, the sheep would be put back into the fold at night as they would all come in and they would bring all of the sheep together, whether they were putting them into a cave, whether they were surrounding them as sheep, they would actually inspect their sheep. They knew them by name. They knew if one of them had a limp or not. They knew if one of them had a scar from something. They would inspect each person for the damage that could be done to them for injuries 
That's our shepherd. He knows your injuries. He knows your hurts. He knows what's going on in your life. That's our shepherd. God told the prophet Jeremiah back in Jeremiah 1.5, Before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. And before you were born, I consecrated you. I appointed you a prophet to the nations. God is talking specifically here to Jeremiah. And he says, hey, I've known you since the day you were born. But not only that, I knew you before you were born. I knew you in the womb. I knew you before that. And I had a plan for you. And what God is saying to Jeremiah, he is saying to us that he has a plan for us. That he has known us all along. And we must make sure that we never forget that. One of the things that people still do not get is the fact that our faith, it's not based on a bunch of do's and don'ts. It's not just based on a religion. Our faith, what we have, it's based on a relationship. God wants a relationship with us. Jesus wants a relationship with us. And when we develop that relationship we will do what we should and we will stay away from what we ought not to be doing. It's going to be hard. It's going to be difficult. We will fail. We will fall short. But we will get up and we will try it again. You see, faith is not a religion. It's about a relationship. If we're all about a religion, then we could just be religious and we would be fine. We just follow a whole bunch of rules and we would be fine. The Pharisees were some of the most religious people, but Jesus calls them whitewashed tombs. Nice on the outside, but inside like a bunch of dead men's bones. 1 Peter chapter 5 verses 6 through 7 Peter says, humble yourselves therefore under the mighty hand of God so that at the proper time he may exalt you, casting all your anxieties on him because he cares for you. Jesus did not simply sit in an ivory tower tossing out orders. He mixed it up. He got in and amongst the people. He was always surrounded by people. Wherever he went, there were large groups of people that were always around him. He was right there with them, touching them, letting them touch him, letting the children come and sit on his lap. He was right there among them, and that's what we've been reading this entire time. In verse 16, Jesus spoke of other sheep, the fact that other sheep needed to enter into the fold. He was speaking of the Gentiles. He was speaking that his message wasn't just for this Jewish group of people. And if he's speaking to us today, he's saying, hey, it's not just for us few and no more. It's for everyone. And while we may not be meeting in person, I still have a question for you. Who's your one more? Who can you continue to invite? Who can you bring to Facebook Live? Who can you say, hey, um, we're, we're not meeting today, but we're going to be back in our building. Hey, we're not having small groups this week, but why don't you come to men's group with me? Why don't you come hang out 
at, at our youth group. It's called Move, and we have a lot of fun. Why don't you come to one of our ladies' Bible studies? Why don't you get involved in one of our life groups? It's a lot of awesome fun. We share a meal. We share stories. It's a lot of good fun. Who's your one more? This isn't going to last forever. This isn't the zombie apocalypse. We will be meeting again soon. And I want you thinking, who's your one more? Do you have the faith and courage to allow Jesus to be your shepherd? Not only does the good shepherd know his sheep and have a special connection with his sheep, let's finish this up by looking at verses 17 and 18 again. For this reason, the Father loves me because I lay down my life that I may take it up again. No one takes it from me, but I lay it down of my own accord. I have authority to lay it down and I have authority to take it up again. This charge I have received from my Father. And the last thing that I want us to look into is Jesus desired to serve all of his sheep. Not only did Jesus served the sheep. He chose to do it. This is yet another reason why there are not many paths to heaven. There is only one path to heaven. And this isn't Travis speaking. This isn't SECC, Stafford County Christian Church, speaking this. We read this from the very words of Jesus. Jesus is the one that says it. He says, I am the good shepherd. I am the one that lays down my life. It's from the very mouth of Jesus. Do you think a person who wants to do something will do it better than one who is forced? Always. If there is something you want to do, you do it great. And you give it every single thing that you have. If I say to my daughter right now, I say, hey, Jaden... If she's watching right now and I say, hey, Jaden, we're going to be home in just a little bit. Will you bake me a pan of brownies? The moment that I said that, she's already thinking about it. Last night, it was pie day, right? And I said, hey, Jaden, you know it's pie day. You should make me a pie. And she went, okay. And she went in and started looking up recipes because we didn't have any pre-made pie crust. She was going to make a pie. And I said, Jaden, there's one problem. And she says, what's that? I said, we don't have anything to put in the pie. Oh, okay. But if I were to say to Justin, Justin, he's my 16-year-old son, make me a pie. I don't want to make you a pie. Uh, can, can I walk up to 7-Eleven and I'll buy you one of those little mini pies? But if I said, and I forced him to do it, reluctantly he would try it. And guess what? It wouldn't taste very good. But Jaden, if I said, make me a pie, she would make it with all of the love in her heart, because that's who she is. Jesus. Oh man, Jesus did that for us. Not reluctantly, but lovingly. He laid down his life. He chose to serve us. He chose to give up his life. Galatians chapter 1, verses 3 through 4. Paul says, grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ who gave himself for our sins to deliver us from the present evil according to the will of our God and Father. He chose to give up his life for my sins, for your sins.
when you want to do something, when you do something that you love, you will do, you will do it so much better. And you will care about it so much. Jesus was and is motivated to serve because of his love. Love is the ultimate motivation to serve. You know, one of the best examples of this, and everybody, I think most people would know this verse. Uh, They may not be able to quote it, but they know it, because they see signs that say, John 3.16. They may not have a clue what it says, but they know John 3.16. I want to share John 3.16 with you. Jesus says, For God so loved the world that he gave his only Son, that whoever believes in him should not perish, but have eternal life. God chose to send his Son. And his Son chose to willingly come. God loved you enough to send his Son to die for you, that you may have everlasting and eternal life life Jesus he is the good shepherd he is the shepherd of his sheep the question is is he your shepherd the good shepherd keeps his sheep not just for a short time but for all of eternity here is one of the greatest truths that you will find in all of the Bible Some people think that you can be saved today and you can be lost tomorrow. Some people get so concerned that that they're just going to lose their salvation. They sincerely believe that, that they could be saved today. And that Satan could just take it from them and rip it right out of their hands. I want to find I, I, I want to conclude with one final section of scripture, and it's at the bottom here of John chapter 10. In verses 27 through 29, or through 30, Jesus says, My sheep hear my voice, and I know them, and they follow me. I give them eternal life, and they will never perish, and no one will snatch them out of my hand. My Father, who has given them to me, is greater than all, and no one is able to snatch them out of the Father's hand. I and the Father are one and i think that this just sent the pharisees through the roof because once again jesus is comparing himself directly with god and he is saying that i am going all the way back to what god said to moses in the burning bush you tell him i am that i am i want you to see the symbolism that is here jesus is saying that once you accept him once you accept jesus as your lord and savior nothing can take you from his hands but but that's not just it what i love that jesus says here i am the father are one he says hey guess what you're in my hands jesus says hey when you accept me you have nothing to fear because you have me fighting for you but then he he doubles down just a a little bit more and in verse 29 he says and no one is able to snatch them out of the father's hands jesus says hey you're in my hand but not only that 
God's hands too. And we have the Holy Spirit that's living inside of us. And we have a trifecta that is holding on to us. And there is nothing greater than that. There's nothing that can take me out of the security of Jesus in the Father's hands. Satan can't take it. This world can't take it. Only you can be the one to allow it to go. There's no question that Jesus is the good shepherd. The only question that remains at this point in the service is, do you know the shepherd? Do you know Jesus as your Savior? Have you accepted him? I want you to know that there's only two places that you can spend eternity. One is absolutely going to be awesome. Then there's another one. And it's a really scary place. A lot of people, they want to talk about, oh yeah, we're going to get to hell and we're going to party and it's going to be a great time. It's not. Jesus doesn't want anyone to go there. We don't want anyone to go there. I want you to understand that delay is dangerous. Not just because of what we have in this world today uh, and this coronavirus. Listen, we're, we're going to make it through it. We've made it through a lot worse. And there's going to be more that's going to come our way after this. But one day, we're going to have to face judgment. If you haven't accepted Jesus Christ, today needs to be that day. And if you need to talk about it, if you need to know how you make that decision, I want you to know that you can call me, you can text me, you can email me. If you don't know how to get those, go to the website and, and you can do so. If you're on Facebook Messenger, if you're on Facebook Live right now, obviously you can find us on Facebook and, and you can send us a message. You can stop into the office tomorrow, the rest of this week. I or one of the other staff, we'd love to talk with you help you know how to make that decision there may be someone that is watching right now that you're a little worried about what's going on in this world and maybe you've gotten off a track and you need someone to pray for you send us a message and we'll be praying for you come into the office sit down and we'll talk whatever you need to do whatever decision you need to make we're going to sing one final song and where you're at, sing along with us. Just put your head down and listen to the words of this song. Allow Jesus to speak into your heart right now.